When it comes to music, I have a favorite genre. And my genre might not be necessarily preferred by all. It's not. But growing up, it encouraged the hearts of me and my family so many times. And that is Southern Gospel music. But there's a, a song that, if you're a Southern Gospel connoisseur whatsoever, you'll know the song. The lyrics of one part of the song say this, They all walked away. They had nothing to say. They had just lost their dearest friend. All that he had said, now he was dead. So this was the way it would end. The dreams they had dreamed were not what they seemed. Now he was dead and gone. The garden, the jail, the hammer, the nails. How could a night seem so long? Then came the morning. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 20. John chapter 20, and we, we come to the last experience of Christ in the lives of women in the Gospel of John. And this last one brings our attention, I believe, to something that we all could leave this conference thinking about, which will wrap our thoughts up in, I hope, a tangible way where we'll recognize this was no spiritual high. This was merely a time we took aside to really listen to the Lord. And, and as we leave, the responsibility does not wane to be obedient to the things we've heard. Now, as you go to John 20, I'm not going to start there. You're going to just hang out there, but I want to lead your thoughts to another passage of Scripture. In fact, if I'm being honest with you, I've never heard a message on this verse. I've never heard a preacher bring it out. I've never seen a painting depicting it. In fact, are you ready for this? I've never even heard a Christian talk about it. I'm sure you have, but I haven't. In Matthew chapter 27, verse 61, I, I just want you really to listen. It's just one really short verse. It introduces this woman. No, no, no. She's talked about a lot before it. Her name is the same as the lady we talked about yesterday, Mary. But it's Mary Magdalene. But there's a detail about her and the other Mary, that all those things I just said are true. When Jesus Christ died, and when his body was taken to be buried, there's a scene on Friday that we oftentimes skip. At least, it's always been skipped in my life. Listen to this verse. This is not Sunday morning, my friends. This is Friday. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were there, sitting opposite the tomb. It's powerful. As Jesus is buried, his body is laid in its resting place, at least until proper burial. 
The men take the body. Nicodemus brings a lot of spices. The disciples are hiding out. The Jews go into that Passover. There are two women. Just sitting. The woman we talked about yesterday. She sat at his feet and learned. She fell at his seat and lamented. She laid at his feet and loved. And now she doesn't know where to go. She only had one destination for her life. It was the person of Jesus Christ. That's it. And now she's just sitting, staring at a tomb. Well, Sunday morning comes. And you know what happens on Sunday morning. The women show up early. Now, if you read all the gospel accounts, there's only two people that are mentioned in every gospel account. Peter and Mary Magdalene. That's it. And Mary Magdalene comes to the tomb early, along with other women. And when they come into the tomb, and I'm telling you this part of the story because we're not going to read this part of the story. When they come to the tomb, they're wondering, how can the stone be rolled away? But when they come, just as we sang, the stone was already rolled away. Behold, the empty tomb. They go into the empty tomb, and who do they encounter? They encounter two angels sitting there. Isn't it beautiful that Christ died between two thieves? But his body, no longer there, had two angels where he once laid. And they said, women, why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen just as he said. Go tell the disciples and Peter. And so the women, they go and they tell. And we know from the gospel accounts that the disciples did not believe, okay? But we do know Peter and the disciple whom Jesus loved, those two did go to the tomb. They also got the message. The disciple whom Jesus loved believed when he saw the linen cloths lying by itself. But they still went back not understanding and they still went back in fear. So all of this happens. And after all the drama of resurrection morning, we find there's still just one person that doesn't know where to go. She's still at the tomb. She's been told he's not there. She's been told he's alive. She has nowhere to go. Because there's only one she's seeking. So we pick up in reading in John chapter 20, verse 11. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white. She's already seen them, all right? This is round two. 
She saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing. But she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She said, she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, do not cling to me for I have not yet ascended to my father, to the father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I am have seen the Lord and that he had said these things to her. Father, as we briefly glance in your word for just a few minutes, touch our hearts one more time with the preciousness of Jesus Christ. And this morning, I pray that we would have faith in your promises. You said, You were only going to be in the tomb for a couple short days. And on the third day, you would rise. Lord, I pray that we would learn from Mary, from both her belief and her unbelief, and that we would be the type of men and women who have nowhere to go but where you are. I pray you glorify your name yet again here at Yosemite. And may we leave thinking only about the things that you have us to think about. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. There's four things that we see about Mary Magdalene in this passage. I'm sure there's way more than four. Four things I'll briefly mention, and I'm very going to be very brief. I would rather us leave with some questions on our heart than leave with a great outline. But I'll tell you the four things in case we don't even look at them all. I want you to see that Mary lingered outside the tomb. That she also lamented outside the tomb. I want you to see that she looked into the tomb. And finally, I want you to see she longed for the one that used to be in the tomb. Notice these things very briefly lingered. I, I, I love the fact that she lingers, and yet I also want us to be challenged that we ought not linger in the wrong place. When I say she lingered, we see it happen right there. Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. Why? Why was it that she lingered? I mean, when you go back to Luke 7, and you see the, or actually uh, Luke 7 might be an assumption, okay, um, that it was Mary Magdalene. Luke 8 verse 2 
tells us that Mary Magdalene was one who had seven demons cast out of her. And we also see that she provided extensively out of her own means for the Lord Jesus Christ and for those that traveled with him. We know that. But regardless, what we know about Mary Magdalene is she was a woman that was greatly bound by the chains of the enemy. And upon being freed, she gave what she had for this Christ. I truly believe she had nowhere else to go. And I want to ask ourselves that question. Is there anywhere we can go should Christ fail us? Is there any other backup plan we have for our life? Are we trusting him as the best option or are we trusting him as the only option? And what I see from Mary Magdalene is that when everybody else had something to go to, they had a room to lock themselves in, they had a fishing boat to go try out again. Whatever the case is, I see one character that had absolutely nowhere else to go. And that is this woman, Mary Magdalene. Her home was Jesus Christ. Literally, Christ was her life. Maybe you remember the movie, story, book, Broadway, whichever one you want to go with, Fiddler on the Roof. And there's a powerful scene in there. There's a second daughter who's about to get married. That's no shock because the whole movie's about women getting married. Uh, he had five daughters. But he's saying goodbye to his second daughter. Her name is Hoddle. And as Hoddle is going to get married, her husband or to be is exiled to a far off land up in uh, the north, basically as political punishment. And since it's a musical, the girl can't talk to her dad. She's got to sing to her dad. But she sings a powerful song. I want to sing to you a few lines of that song, but I don't want you to think about Hoddle and her father. I want you to think about us and the Lord Jesus Christ, Mary Magdalene and Jesus Christ. Because you see, Mary Magdalene fell in love. She fell in love with Jesus Christ, just as I hope you have. And she couldn't go back to life as normal. And so, maybe she sang too. How can I hope to make you understand why I do what I do? Why I must travel to a distant land, far from the home I love. Once I was happily content to be, as I was, where I was, close to the people who are close to me, here in the home I love. But then she goes really high and she says, who could see that a man would come, get this, who would change the shape of my dreams. Does that sound like Jesus? Helpless now. I stand with him. Watching older dreams grow dim. Oh what a melancholy choice this is. Wanting home. Wanting him. Get this line. Closing my heart. To every hope but his. Leaving the home I love. Yet there where my heart has settled long ago, I must go. I must go. Who could imagine I'd be wandering so far from the home I love? But the last line of the song says this. 
yet there with my love I'm home. This is Mary Magdalene. She had nowhere to go except home. And her home was the Lord Jesus Christ. I wonder, is that us? Is that us saying, I've got to leave everything else for the sake of lingering with him. But, but, what did the Lord Jesus Christ say? When he came, he said, I'm going to be delivered into the hands of wicked men. I'm going to be delivered into the hands of these leaders. And guess what? They're going to crucify me. And guess what? On the third day, I will rise again. But what does Peter say over in Matthew chapter 16? He pulls him aside and says, Lord, let it not be so. Why did he say that? He didn't even hear the end of the phrase. All he heard was, you're going to die. Christ said, I'm going to rise. When Jesus Christ died in Matthew 27, who was the only group in society expecting Jesus to rise again? His enemies. They were the only ones. No follower was expecting Jesus Christ to come back. They were all fearful. They all fled. Even Mary Magdalene came to prepare his body for proper burial. She was not expecting a risen Lord. Let me ask you. Are we lingering in a place when God has already given us the promises of his word and told us to move on? Now, God's patient because Mary Magdalene had two angels appear to her that said, he's not here, he's risen. She had the word of God before that said, I will rise. And now yet again, the angels say, why are you weeping? In the word of God, we have so many promises as well. Let not your hearts be troubled. Do you believe in God? Believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And now I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am there, you may be also. And what does it say in First uh, Thessalonians chapter 4 when you get down to verse, I believe it's 18, 17, 18. Comfort one another with these words. Christ is coming soon. Are we focused on what's where the dead are? Because our Jesus is living. What do I mean by that? I mean the practical implications of recognizing the word of God is true. Sometimes we stay in places where God says, stop praying about it. I've already told you. Go forward. If I've said it in my word, that's my stamp of authority. That's my stamp of go and obey. I hear people quote Exodus 14, uh, verse 14 a lot, where stand still, the Lord will save you. You know, it's like, see the salvation of our God. We'll read verse 15 and 16. But God says to Moses, why are you standing still? I said, go. I mean, so often it's like, we're, we're like, all right, let's like, let's, let's watch God move. And God's like, you want to watch me move? I said, move. I'm going to work through you. Stop praying about what God's already said. She lingered. And I want to commend her for lingering. And I also want to challenge us not to linger. When God has said, I'm done with this tomb. Move on. Is there something in your life today as you have received from James, 
you've received from John, you've received from conversations? Is there something where you're lingering at a tomb in your life? And it's not bad. You went there for the right reason, but God says, I'm not there right now. I'm, I'm done with that. That was yes for three days. I'm glad you sat outside. I'm glad you wanted to be there close to the place where you're like, that's where my Lord is. But is there something you need to move on with? Like you're done. You're going to leave that tomb now as you go home. I don't know what that is for you. I certainly don't. But I do believe the Holy Spirit is telling you. Let's not linger when the Lord tells us, turn around. I'm alive. So she lingered. We also see that she lamented. My friends, it's good to lament. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. I believe a church which mourns will be a church with vision. I believe that if we would learn to weep over the death that we see in the world, we would weep over souls who have no hope without Christ. If we would weep over sin in our lives, if we would lament... I do believe that we would see a drastic difference in our local churches. But at the same time, are we lamenting over things which God says, I've already brought resurrection there. I've already brought healing there. I've already brought restoration there. Sometimes we can let our past be a source of lamenting. When he says, I'm done with the tomb. That was temporary. It's been dealt with. Now let's move on. Are we lamenting over the wrong things? What about looking? She looked into the tomb to see the Lord Jesus. Let me ask you this. Are we looking for the Lord in the wrong places? Practically in our lives. Are we looking for him just in the place where we think he should show up? Because there's no way that he can be the gardener standing behind us. It's almost as though we limit the avenues through which God can work. Our God's alive. Some of you are going home to situations which you wish you weren't going home to. Some of you are going back to job situations which, frankly, you wish that it was quite different. Some of you are going into uh, maybe a new aspect of ministry and there's confusion there and and maybe you're you're, you're viewing as this is the way God's got to work. This is the box. These are the parameters. Let me encourage you. Let us not keep our perspective locked into what we deem as the only way God can work. But rather, let us recognize God's word stands. Every bit of it is truth. And if God's word says it, let us not limit it to our expectation or our understanding, but rather let us take our eyes off of just a tomb and let us look at truly the power of our God and what he wants to do in and through us. I'm excited about life in Christ because I so often have the Lord and Lord, This is the person I'm praying about, and these are the ways you can work, A, B, or C. And the Lord says, Nathan, I'm the resurrection and the life. There are things that you deem are dead, and I've just started. I'm the first fruits of the resurrection. What you see in this empty tomb is just the first of billions that are going to be coming out. This is not the end of the story. This is just the beginning of the greatest chapter ever. Have you put something 
to sleep? Have you put something in the grave that God says, I wasn't done. I want to do so much more. I want to challenge us. Let's not look in the wrong place when God says, turn around, there's life. And that's what happens. The last thing we see here in the final couple minutes I have left is a longing. We see a longing. You know what I love about Mary Magdalene? And I pray this is true of us. Some of you are going to go and you're going to think God seems silent. Let me tell you, Jesus seemed really silent to Mary Magdalene for a few days, didn't he? From Friday, Saturday, Sunday, he seemed incredibly silent. Some of you are experiencing the silence of God. It's not that he's not communicating. It's just he's not communicating the way you wish he was communicating. That's all. I want to challenge you and encourage you. As you go back and you feel, God, where's your voice? Why am I not clearly hearing you? That's how she felt. What was Mary Magdalene's trait that we all can take away? Her longing. She refused to move on until she found her Lord. Yeah, she was expecting a dead body, but she refused to move on until she found her Lord. I want to ask you, is that your prayer life? Do you go in the prayer closet and say, I'm not coming out until I hear from you? Do you think maybe for some of us, the reason we don't have Mary Magdalene's relationship with Jesus Christ is because we give up when God doesn't seem to respond in our time frame? Do you want intimacy with God? There is only one character, one character who was the first to see the Lord Jesus after he rose again in all of eternity. And it's Mary Magdalene. I, I think Peter could have been it. I think the disciple whom Jesus loved could have been it. I think Mary, Salome, others could have been it. But it was Mary Magdalene. And I want to suggest it was Mary Magdalene because she refused to go anywhere until she saw her Lord. And what did she say to the others? I have seen the Lord. Wow. Wow. You will be as close to Jesus Christ in your daily walk as you want to be. He will show himself to you. The only question is, are you moving on before he's moving on? When, when she turned around, and this is where I close, she saw the Lord Jesus. And what did she think of him? She supposed him to be a gardener. I wonder, are we missing Jesus Christ because we simply say, that can't be where he's working, that can't be what he's doing, that can't be him alive and in a garden. I wonder if the Lord Jesus is looking to show up in your life in so many ways that you totally are not even aware of because simply put, he can't work there. When she's supposed to be a gardener, what a beautiful picture we have. Where does the Lord take us? All the way back to Genesis chapter 3, right? Because where does the story really start? The story starts with a woman in a garden. And what happens there? God is seeking man in their sin. But now I want you to see the reversal. We now have man, a woman, seeking God in a garden because now there's life to be found. 
God invites us back to the garden, back to a relationship with him. Remember on the cross, when the criminal on the cross says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. What does Jesus say? Today you'll be with me in paradise. You know the word paradise? Go look it up. It's the word garden. Today you'll be back with me in the garden. Let's get back to where we started. You're invited back in. Those flaming swords are removed. I've taken the wrath of God, and now you're back in, supposing him to be the gardener. You know what? She was right. He is the gardener. He is the one who tends the garden, and he just made a way for all of us to be back in. Glory to the name of Jesus Christ. We've taken a beautiful, brief look at different aspects of our precious treasure, Jesus Christ, and I pray that in some way or another, that you have fallen more in love with our Savior this week. But as we leave here, let's not leave the perspective of Mary Magdalene at Yosemite, but let us never be satisfied with where we are in our walk with the Lord or our intimacy with Christ, but rather may we constantly say, Lord, I want to know you more. I'm not going anywhere until you show up. I'm not going anywhere unless you lead. But if your word says so, I'm going to walk on your word even if I don't understand it. You said you're coming out after three days, then I'm not going to be by dead tombs of this world because I'm going to walk knowing Jesus meant what he said. Let's go forward, my brothers and sisters, and let's be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that our labor is not in vain in him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. It's living, it's truth. Thank you for this precious example of Mary Magdalene who sat at the tomb on Friday, who was at the cross earlier in the day, who came to the tomb early Sunday morning and wouldn't leave the tomb until she found you. I pray that we would have that life where we long to be with our Savior. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Until that day, may we be found faithful. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.